Hello, and welcome back to Study Plus, where we take a portion of the scriptures that Pastor Mike Foch is teaching through here on Wednesday nights at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, and we look at one of the many issues that is brought up in said passage, something that Mike might not spend a lot of time on on a Wednesday night, but that we're going to use this time here on this podcast to look at. We're certainly not looking at side or... uh, irrelevant issues. Sure. This, this isn't just a random, you know, trip through things that don't matter. We're looking at things that do matter, uh, but maybe not the central point of the passage. And so tonight, uh, the passage we're going to be looking at, and Mike's going to just uh, summarize for us, is Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the first nine or ten verses. Yeah, so as we're going through this section and particularly teaching through it, one of the main things Paul talks about is leaving behind these tents or bodies and then being absent from the body and being present with the Lord. So one of the things that pops up in relation to that, which is not the point of the whole passage that Paul's talking about, yep, but becomes a biblical discussion is what uh, theologians will call the intermediate state, essentially what is happening and where am I when I die am not in my present body but have not yet received my resurrected body? Right. So that's what they'll classify as the intermediate state. Um, I'll say two things before we get into this discussion. The first is just we can only say so much about this because right. the Bible doesn't talk about it a ton. And the Bible doesn't talk about it a ton because the intermediate state is not the hope of the Christian. The hope of the Christian is to be resurrected with Jesus for all eternity in a new heavens and new earth. Yeah, so this is one of those discussions that the Bible does say some things about, but not as much as we might wish. So what we wanted to do today is just talk about, okay, what what, what can we know from the scriptures? You need a lot of people have a lot to say about the afterlife or life after death. There's books and videos. And we're just going to say, what do the scriptures tell us? What can we actually know? And there's a lot of weird stuff out there, testimonies about people who have died and come back and things that they experience. And it is important to know some of what the Bible does say. I never thought about this before, Mike, but actually there's a lot of things in life where if someone's done it, we can consider them a kind of authority. Yeah. But this is one of those things where just because someone says, you know, I died, I was dead for an hour on the operating table and they brought me back or something, it doesn't make them an authority on this subject <laughs> for a whole number of reasons. Yes. And this is one of those areas where we say, well, people might say this or that, but I'm going to go with the word of God. He actually knows, and he knows what I need to know. And so I got to trust that over, you know, testimonies of people who say that they died and, and came back. Yeah, that's that's actually really funny. I never thought about it. You could literally illustrate that by saying if a an astronaut gets blasted into outer space and all of a sudden now they're authority just because they went there. <laughs> they don't yeah. have no. the physical capacity to even measure what is happening yes. to them. Now they're an astronomer. Yeah, or yeah. somebody who gets, you know, their ship sinks in the middle of the ocean, you were left out there for a few days, now you're an authority on the ocean. Right, yes. Because you entered that environment. That's a great point. Because we don't even have to say, oh, it's all fake. I don't know what people experience. They may or may have not gone somewhere since, but... Exactly. That's a great one. But just you dropped in the ocean, you're not you're not an oceanographer. Yes. <laughs> the scriptures 
actually God knows what happens after we die. So, so he'll, he'll tell us. Yes. So Jesus is the authority here and he does tell us things through his Holy Spirit. Yes. So I think the first point we make when we begin to talk about this subject is there is an obvious intermediate period of time between the deaths of Old Testament and New Testament saints who die in faith before their resurrections. Uh, even those who die without faith who are resurrected and enter into eternity, the Bible talks about as the second death. So, you know, Adam dies or Peter dies or one of us dies. We are absent from the body, but we are not yet in our resurrected body. And the clear points of the resurrection in the scripture are the rapture of the church and the second coming. Now, so, some people will combine those two, but at least the rapture of the church and the second coming, the rapture of the church, the church receives the resurrected bodies, First Thessalonians 4, and then the second coming, particularly Revelation 20, the Old Testament saints and the tribulation martyrs receive their resurrected bodies. Now, someone might be listening to this, Mike, and they might have heard you say that, and they might think, whoa, like we're only not five minutes into this podcast and we're deep into the weeds here. Uh, <laughs> I just want to know, like, where do I go when I die or something? But actually, as we started talking about this, what became what became clear very quickly is if you want to answer a question like, no, I'm just saying, where, do, where did my, my uncle go when he passed away? You actually have to p- step back and look at what the Bible says about something like, you know, all of history. This You actually can't answer that question until you begin to think about exactly the things you just mentioned. Something as far, as long ago as the death of people who lived before Jesus, and something that's in the future currently, however far it is in the future, which is the coming of Christ. And mm-hmm. you could just say the rapture and what we call the second coming all are contained in the coming of, of Jesus back. Yeah. However, you know, we, we see those things as being having some time in between the two of them, but when Christ comes back, we're, we're talking about today, the Bible talks about believers uh, receiving, that's the best way to say it, I think, their resurrection bodies. And so that is a future event, and we're talking about past events. And so in order to answer the question, what happens when I die, you got to sort of know where you're at in that timeline. And of course, our example is always Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ died, and there was a little period of time, but then he receives his resurrected body. And the Bible teaches us that Christ is the firstfruits, our forerunner, the firstborn among many brethren. Those are all quotes from the scriptures. All quotes from the scripture, that he is particularly the first one to be resurrected. The the Greek uses the term eknekros, the idea is out from among the dead. So Mark chapter 9, verses 9 and 10 say, this is after the transfiguration, now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. That's the, uh, the idea, out from among the dead. So they kept this words to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead should mean. The disciples didn't have an idea of What do you mean out from among the dead? They were confused. And part of the reason I think they were confused, I would have been confused too. But reading it and having the whole New Testament now, what you see is that Jesus 
didn't consider being resurrected to be dead. We think dead is anything after I die. But Jesus said, if you're resurrected, you leave the category of the dead. And now you're in another category. And Jesus would call that category living, which is why I think he talked about life forever. And really what it comes down to is, one of the ways to think about it is, in the scriptures, dead is doesn't mean you don't exist. It just means you don't have a body. Your soul is separate from your body. Yes. You're only alive as a human being when you have the soul-body connection, right? That's true human life. So you don't cease to exist when you physically die. You just cease to live in your body, so to speak. You cease to have a body as part of your human existence. Uh, and so that time when you don't have a body as part of your human existence— and then the time up to when you do, that's part of the intermediate state historically, and it is your experience of the intermediate state as an individual. And it's our hope that everybody else, this is how it gets practical, everybody else who enters into that state, all of our loved ones, yes, and ourselves, still follow Christ's example, who entered into that state and then came out from among it as the first one, out from among the dead, as Brian said, never to return, never going back. Never so going I'm back. no longer a part of the state, even of a person who could die, be separated from this new body that we have in Jesus Christ. And Peter, First Peter 1, 3, who was there on the Mount of Transfiguration, who was trying to figure out what it meant to come out from among the dead, would say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the same thing. So he sees Jesus as that example. Yes. He saw Jesus die. Then he saw him rise out from among the dead in a new resurrected body. So the the just biblical teaching is we know that just about most individuals that ever lived, there will be a period of time between their death physically and then their resurrection into that body that they're going to be in for all eternity. And, you know, sometimes we say of people that we've lost, they're not dead, they're alive. What we mean by that is they haven't ceased to exist. They're, they're not, their consciousness is, is not extinguished. Uh, they're, they're not gone forever. I, but I guess... And I, I say that and have said that, mm-hmm. but I guess technically we would say not that when you've lost someone, it's not time to get technical, but when you haven't and you're just <laughs> thinking about it, yeah. technically we would say, no, that is death, but we know that one day Christ will raise them from the dead. And that is, sometimes we don't get detail about, about our biblical knowledge, but actually details about the Bible can be very helpful and comforting because God has explained some of these things to us. And just what we've talked about already mm-hmm. can really be a help to someone, I think, to say, oh, okay. So they're not, you know, they don't have their new body, so to speak, that the Bible talks about. But but they're, they're somewhere. Yes. They're experiencing some things. And so maybe that would be the next question people would have, Mike, which is, okay, so it's not that, but what is it? You know, where are they? What is going yes. on? So th- this, the next question as to where they are then would relate differently in terms of those who die in faith or those who don't die with faith, all the way from the beginning of time till today. So we'll first deal with those who die without faith in God because that's easier. Yeah, The Bible's pretty clear. If you die in the Old Testament, you went to Sheol, the Bible uses that word, the Hebrew Sheol, which is just 
a the place of the dead, right. which was used for both people who died in faith and those who didn't die in faith. Sometimes, sometimes it gets translated uh, the grave. The grave. And then in the New Testament, Hades gets brought into the picture. And it is almost always used as a place of suffering for those who have rejected God. So if I die without faith in Jesus Christ, my physical body dies, I go to, we would say, Hades, essentially. Yep. And it's a place of suffering until all of death and Hades is brought before Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, the see, White yeah, Throne the Judgment. The Revelation. At the end of the book 20. of Revelation. Yep, Revelation 20. And then all of death and Hades is judged and put into the Greek term is Gehenna, which would be the lake of fire, which we would consider hell. When we say somebody who goes to hell, that's the picture, and that's their eternal state, and that doesn't change. Yeah, so we don't think about this a lot, but what that would mean would be that the Bible teaches that when a person dies, their soul and their body separate. Their soul actually, and it's hard to know how to talk about location when you're talking about a soul, but the Bible does seem to speak that way. Your soul yeah. can go to a the kind location. of a place a soul can go to. And if I if someone has not been forgiven for their sins by trusting in Christ, their soul goes to a place where they experience some kind of soul suffering, some kind of judgment on their sin that they sinned while in the body. And that is a limited time span, even if it's a long time in our mm-hmm. way of thinking. And then again, Mike, we don't normally think about this, but the Bible says they're resurrected unto judgment, meaning they they have bodies again. Uh, but then to stand for that eternal judgment where the sentence passed is Gehenna, the Greek word, or the lake of fire. Yes. So then when we come to those who die in faith, it gets a little more complicated uh, so again, in the Old Testament, the word Sheol is still used. Those who die in faith, it can be used of people who, cause they just go to the grave. Mm-hmm. So the Old Testament doesn't give us a lot of specifics. The New Testament, Jesus comes, begins to get more specific with us. And the term typically that's used is paradise or in the New Testament, it says Abraham's bosom, which just means Abraham's side. We all side. wish that word wasn't in yeah, the Bible. It doesn't sound good to say Abraham's bosom, but that's just what it is. So at least we're faithfully translating. So Abraham's side. At Abraham's side. Uh, and <laughs> we would see those places as the same. Yes. Uh, and particularly because, again, the Bible even talks about Jesus after his death going and proclaiming his victory seemingly just to one space. He's not going to a whole bunch of different places. Mm, that's a good point. And leading people that were captive free. So what what we see is whatever paradise is, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. It's a different place than the present heaven where God and his direct presence and the angels reside would you see what you call the present heaven as being represented or looked at in revelation 4 in the throne room scene yes so i think the old testament pictures sometimes we get a view of heaven uh maybe we'll say some of those elders in the old testament on mount sinai they catch a view of heaven we see isaiah i would say catch a view of heaven where god's throne is there's a temple angels are there 
there's an altar with coals and tongs. It's kind of weird that there's tongs in heaven, but there's, so uh, God doesn't really need a locality because he's a spirit, but the reality is God can be everywhere, but these other beings can't. All of his creation needs locality. Creation needs locality, and the angels dwell where God's throne is, and then Revelation 4 begins to show us, and 5 show us that as well there's a temple there, that there's angels there, and then at that point there are saints there, individuals there, and then also souls there. By saints, Revelation you just 6. mean people who trusted. We don't mean saints in like the Catholic sense. Yes. It's important. Yes, people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So not, not that uh, this might skip ahead in the conversation further than we want to go right now. However, it occurred to me as you were talking, Mike, that... We use, sometimes we use words very vaguely, and like heaven is one of those words. I mean, right. the heavens can mean the sky, heaven can mean I'm going, I'm going, where I'm going to be forever because I've had my sins forgiven by Christ. Yes. But you're pointing out that the Bible sometimes does use it in a little more specific of a way. And so it, probably it's better for us to, to think, when we think of just that term heaven, of the space you're describing mm-hmm. where God's ruling. Yeah, so if we almost did a, a storyline, right? there was heaven where God's throne was, where angels existed all the way in the beginning. But God met with man on earth. And then Adam sinned, right? He gets put out of the garden. And people begin to die, be separated from their bodies, and their souls are no longer on earth. Where do those souls go? They don't go immediately into God's presence. They go to this place of paradise, which is a place of comfort and rest for them. And they remain in that place of paradise all the way up to Jesus Christ's time, anybody who dies with faith in Jesus. So you're not necessarily talking about someone that we know that would have died because we live after this time. We live after that time. So this is where where, the timeline is so important. Yes, this is where we're going storyline. So even in Jesus's day, right? Again, Jesus is saying to the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. And the ascension of Jesus, Jesus then resurrected the first one in a resurrected body, never to return to the dead again. That position becomes unique because Jesus takes that first human body back into the present heaven where God's presence is. The throne room, you could say. The throne room, you could say. So when we just talk about heaven and picture those scenes in Revelation, that's where Jesus went and opened the door for paradise, in essence, to be emptied into the present heaven to be there immediately in God's presence. So the year is, I don't know, 33 AD-ish. He's been crucified, he's been raised from the dead, and then he ascends. We see that in the book of Acts mm-hmm. and at the end of the book of Luke too, right? And uh, so you're saying it's at that point that people who had died in faith, Abraham, Moses, right? All the Old Testament, David, yes. people who had died at f- in faith, year 33 AD or so, uh, are then admitted into, with Christ, he leads them with into Christ. God's presence. Now, they are, well, we ha- well, that's a little, I was yeah. going to say, are they souls, but we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. But people who did not die in faith, none of this is happening for them. They're, They're in, in the place of judgment in yes. Hades or sh- that part of Sheol. In judgment. Yes. So the, you know, the, the, I think the emphasis on the ascension of Jesus Christ can be overlooked 
for us. I think probably all of us do. But in the spiritual realm, for Jesus to take, again, a resurrected human frame back into God's most immediate presence, he's the first to do that. That's why, again, first fruits, firstborn, forerunner, that he did that and made a way for us to enter there is extremely unique and incredible. So... You know, we'll get, so what we have now is, and this is where the Bible is really clear, that Christ is at the right hand of the Father. This is a man. This is God in human flesh. Yes, that at the Christ right hand of the Father. is at the right hand of the Father, and the everybody in the church age, you and I, if we die, we have the clear promise that to be absent from the body is present with the Lord, Yep. and the Lord is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So this doesn't tell us everything. It doesn't tell us everything. Here we have the classic example of what we were saying at the beginning. It tells us something. Tells us something. And a really important, comforting, encouraging thing. Yes. You will be with Jesus. You will be with the Father. Yes. So there are people who maybe have heard these discussions, want to argue about, was this place of paradise beforehand then a part of that present heaven? Is it almost like saying, you know, God's throne room was Philadelphia and paradise was somewhere in Oklahoma or something like that? Like, same general world, but at a distance? Or was that paradise a part of Sheol, the place of the dead, but separated from the suffering part of it? Um, there's all types of arguments people make, right? You get into weird stories like, when Samuel came back, he was a ghost. Yes. Was it really Samuel? Was it not? Says Samuel came up. That's because it was coming from down. This is for Samuel 28, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know. That's that's all I'm saying. People can argue about where paradise was housed, per se. I think you can have little clues from scripture, but the reality is we don't know. And it really doesn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> No, it doesn't. And all these things, as we talk about them, what you realize over and over again is we're told what what we need to know. Yes. And the emphasis, again, is on the ascension of Jesus Christ, who led us to this place that is clearly, whatever our existence is there, it is, the Bible says, better. Which is another really important biblical point. Yes. Because, Because... We only know these lives that we've lived. And so, you know, everyone is instinctively scared of death. So as Christians, we're learning to not be scared of death. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, but it's still a great unknown because I know what I have in this life. What am I going to have in that life? And so to know that the scriptures say it's better, to know that the scriptures say you'll be in the presence of God, you'll be with Christ, those are important points. Mm -hmm. And I think, like... Uh, I think it was Graham Scroggy, who was a, a famous commentator, who said he never really thought much about these things until his wife died. Mm. Then he wanted to know, where, where, is where is she? Like, what is happening with her now? And they do become practical. And I think God knows that. So he doesn't tell us everything, and probably because we can't understand everything anyway. And it's not where our ultimate end or hope is. But like I said, if you say, well, if I have a loved one and they die now or they've died just a few years ago, what is happening? What is clear? Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's clear. You're where Jesus is. 
That's the number one thing. The second thing that's clear is Paul says in Philippians 1, 21 and 23, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So wow. for a believer to die, I don't, even though I'm separated from this body, the existence there is still better than the existence here. Because of we only know this life, we can think of what we will lose when we die or what someone we love lost. But if Paul says it's gain, he doesn't mean I haven't lost anything. Because clearly you've lost being able to be with the people you love or do the sure. work you're doing. But maybe it would be like, sure, I lost $1,000, but I gained $10,000. Yes. It's not that I didn't lose that $1,000. It's that what I got so outweighed. Again, it doesn't mean if I die today, I don't care about the people I left behind. But if Paul says it's gain, something must be going on that I'm able to be there and not be so sad about what I've left behind on this earth. Yeah, and just two verses later, we'll say, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ again, which is important. That's to die would be to be with Christ, which is far better. So the immediate connection with Christ, again, is pictured and then is brought into our weighing of the circumstances, and Paul says it ends up being far better. So if I have a loved one who has died in faith, they're with Jesus, and their existence is better than their existence here, even the parts of it that we enjoyed. There's so many things like this where you're trying to figure something out, you're reading the Bible, you're thinking about it, but then it's almost like the Lord meets you in the middle of it, and he challenges you. And this is one of those spots in this discussion. Mm Mm-hmm. Because even if I know that, you know, just say if we're thinking about ourselves, so I'm going to pass on and I know the Bible says it's going to be better. But again, I might say, yeah, but but my family's not going to be there yet. I, I, if I die, these people I love, what if this is missing? What yeah. if that? But if Jesus comes to me in his word in Philippians 1, and says, but I'm going to be there. Now I've just been challenged by Christ as a believer. Like this is stuff to take the prayer, Lord I do want to come be with you. Is that enough for me? And it's great to hash this out with Jesus because Jesus clearly thinks that his presence is better than anyone else we might miss. And when we're in our right mind, we'll say, Lord, I cannot wait to see you. And that, yes, that will outweigh every loss. That's what I'm looking for. Paul doesn't say having a desire to depart and go to heaven, which is far better, or even having a desire to depart and go to the new earth, which is far better. And we we believe the new earth is better than the earth. He gets very clear, Christ. Let's yes. boil it all down. That's what makes it better. Yeah, and we have, you know, we have little hints. Jesus tells the parable in Luke 16 about Lazarus and we'll we'll call him Dives. That's kind of the traditional name, the rich guy who dies, who goes to Hades and suffering, but Lazarus is being comforted. That's the yes. picture there. He's living in a state of comfort at Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom. And <laughs> paradise. So, and then First Thessalonians 4, we talked about it not that long ago, where Jesus Christ brings those with him at, his, at the rapture. He didn't have to do that, but he chooses to bring those other individuals with him, and we're together. And Paul says we should comfort one another with those words. There's an existence of togetherness there. Uh, certainly, we have the pictures in Revelation of those heavenly scenes. Hebrews 12 talks about being together with an innumerable company of angels and saints, the spirits of just men made perfect. So uh, I love the Old Testament term. It talks about Abraham or Moses being gathered to their people. Yeah. 
you're not being taken from your people. You're being gathered to your people, who your real people are in, in this new kind of existence. So we have little hints of gain through the scripture, but we don't have a whole description of this life. So one of the things that's great about that phrase, gathered to your people, is it's one of those things where you're like, oh, actually, the Bible does give me the information I need. Because when we think of death, we think about departure. We think about leaving. We think about like, I'm gonna, you're going to get on a plane and fly away from everybody and everything you've ever known. But the Bible says, actually, being gathered to your people, we would say, in our way of speaking, a homecoming. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it's it's going to, fe- what's it going to feel like? It's going to feel more like a homecoming. And we all understand there might be certain people you're thinking of that, you're, that you might leave behind for a time, but the Bible says, but you got to know what it's going to feel like is you're going home to your people. Yeah. And we all can conjure up that feeling or we've all experienced that from time to time. Or if you haven't, if you've lived your life lonely, you should know that the Bible says that is not going to last forever in Christ. But even if you have great acquaintances, friends, family now, and you're like, I will miss them if I have to be away from them for a day, the Bible says, don't worry about what you think. The truth is, it's the experience of a homecoming. And the door opens, and everyone you want to be with is there, so to speak. That's what it's going to feel like. Even if it takes time for everyone you want to arrive. Maybe that's true. That's what we're talking about. But you won't get there and feel a loss. Yes. And... Remember, again, we don't have all the details because it is an intermediate state. It, it isn't the final state. Jesus didn't have to give us all the details because we don't stay there forever. It doesn't matter as much. We're moving through. It is a state that's going to change. It's far better. It's good for us to know, but it's going to change. So I guess one of the main questions you're left with is, okay, so if I die, I go to be with Jesus but I don't have my resurrected body yet because it's not the rapture. So then what bodily experience do I have? What will I be? What will I be? And what the Bible tells us is not much. <laughs> like We don't really have a lot. I'll, I'll, some people try to make an argument from 2 Corinthians 5 that you might have an intermediate body, like a middle kind of body, but the language doesn't really lend itself to that, and most most even evangelical scholars don't hold to that. Uh, we're not even going to talk about purgatory or whatever here. The, the only thing we have that I think biblically we can kind of hold on to is just because you're a spirit or a soul doesn't mean you don't have some type of form like angels are spirits but you still saw spirits and they could still interact with things an angel again and isaiah could pick up coals with tongs and put them on isaiah's lips we don't think about this a lot but the reason this is hard for us is because we only have the experience of embodied existence we think we like to think of ourselves as souls who live in bodies but really we it's not that separated at all in our experience. How would I even interact with the world? without? How would I hear without ears and eardrums? How would I see without eyes? Well, we know God sees without eyes and hears without ears. Yes. It's just we cannot imagine what, like, how big will I be? Will I be able to swell up to be five, <laughs> you know, uh, 50 feet wide? Will yeah. I only, like, will I only be my height? What is height if you don't have sure. a body? We just can't conceive. Uh, but you had a note in your notes, Mike, about, I think, about, yeah, 
Moses and Elijah on the tra- Mount of Transfiguration. And one of the really interesting details that doesn't tell you a lot, but it points you in interesting directions is they were recognizable. Based on what we're saying, they didn't have, we don't think, bodies the way we'd ex- like yeah. understand them, but someone could look at them. They could be seen and they could be recognized. Yes. Which so, is really all we're looking for, I think. Yes, so even, I mean, I guess technically you can make the case maybe Elijah still has his body. Like, who knows what's going uh, on yeah, there? And where's, where's Enoch, right? <laughs> I forgot about that. I don't know. So the reality is, but you can't make that case with Moses. Moses is clearly dead. His body was hidden by God. But they could reckon Moses was still Moses. Again, the parable, or excuse me, the story that Jesus tells, we don't believe it's a parable about Lazarus in, with Abraham in Abraham's bosom. Abraham was recognizable. recognizable. Lazarus was recognizable. So these individuals who had died in their bodies still had a form. Maybe their form literally still looks like them, but it is not a corporal body. So what is, what is that like? I don't know how a spiritual being interacts in a spiritual world, but apparently they can because spiritual beings can interact in this physical world uh, and it's not a problem for them, right? An angel can show up and bake cakes for Elijah to eat or or kill Assyrians. So the whatever our bodily existence is there, we know it's not our resurrected body yet, but we don't know exactly what that's like. All I can say is we're going to have form and we're going to be able to see each other. Which again, I think here it is again. The Bible tells us what we need to know. Don't, it's almost like it's like chill out, right? Relax. Don't worry. Yeah. You're not going to be like a floating mist. That's not human. Yes. You're not going (laughs) to try to talk and no one will hear you or know who you are. You're not going to forget who you are. Mm -hmm. You're not going to not know who anyone else is. However it works, and I think this just shows how little we understand about something like, we can use the word soul. Who yes. knows what a soul is? I have ideas in my mind, but I've, I really do not know. Yes. And if I think it's strange that a soul could be recognized, maybe the Lord would say to me, why is that strange to you? And I would realize like, oh, I'm not actually an expert on souls. <laughs> it seems to me like they wouldn't be recognizable, yes. but that must mean I don't understand what it is. Uh, and so when they show up in the Bible, nonchalantly without any explanation, there's a lot for us to learn. Like, oh, you could recognize them. And it's really interesting because the disciples had never seen Moses or Elijah. They lived along. It'd yeah. be like, yeah. It'd be like if I'd never seen a, di- well, I don't know what Julius Caesar looks like. Right. I've never seen an actual picture of him. What if it, if he showed up? I guess I would know who it was, which is really weird because what does that mean? Does that mean that somehow souls, you just know when you look at a soul who they are? I, yeah. But that's what happened. Yep. So never seeing them, they knew who they were. So, you know, that's that gives hope. And there's always people who wonder, like, am I going to be able to recognize my grandfather or whoever when I get into heaven? Like, yeah. You're, one, one good rule is we're not going to be dumber there than we are here. Rule. So if we can recognize people here, we can, we're going to do better there. We're not going to do lesser. So, you know, I think that's a comforting thing. Um, you know, I, I guess the last kind of big question you come to in regard, not the last, people are going to have all kinds of questions, but <laughs> well, the thing we that we, we felt like we could talk about and maybe at least throw some biblical ideas in is, will we know what is happening on earth? So we're in this intermediate state. 
are we gonna know? Are we gonna care about? Am I, you know, he's looking down from heaven fondly on my life or yeah. something like that. Like what what happens there? So uh, I, I guess the quick answer I would just say is before we r- rumble into some biblical evidence is yes, we are going to be aware of what's happening on earth, but I think we have to couch it in again. We will be perfect at that point and our perspective will be very different, morally perfect. So we won't look at things the way we look at them now. We we're, we're going to see things with more of God's insight and more of God's perspective. And I think that will fundamentally change some of the bad ideas of looking down from heaven on earth. Yeah, because when you know, in popular perception when people sort of conceive of someone passing on to the next life, really all that people come up with is now they don't have a body, they're kind of clear, but they're exactly the same as they were when they died. And they're like, that same person is, is watching or trying to communicate with me. But you're pointing out, Mike, that based on, based on what we do know, it's, that's just not the case at all. If you're in God's presence, you're, in that sense, you're now taught by the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Like you said, moral perfection, a whole different perspective. Not just like I immediately sort of wake up and try to get back to my house and uh, watch what's going on, like, uh, but I can't, I can't do anything about it. Like, those are not biblical Christian ideas of the afterlife. Yeah, you're not going to be wistfully and wishfully looking back to life. I wish I could on go Earth. back there. Yeah. So, but to make a biblical case for these things, because again, we can we can also act like we're not going to care anything about what's happening on Earth because we're in heaven. The reality is, like most things, there's always a balance. And what the Bible shows us, really from beginning to the end, is God's attention is on earth and what he's doing there. And when he creates a new heavens and a new earth, his attention's there. So from the very beginning, God was focused on what was happening on the earth. The angels are apparently focused on what's happening in the earth. The Bible says when one sinner is saved, all of heaven rejoices. So heaven is responding to something that's happening on the face of the earth, literally. When Moses and Elijah show up, they're talking to Jesus about what he's going to be accomplishing on the earth. Satan goes and tempts Jesus on the earth. Angels, demons, God the Father, their attentions on earth. The Bible tells us Jesus is ever living and making an intercession for the saints who are on earth. And I think the minute you get into the book of Revelation, particularly with those heavenly scenes, all of heaven's attention is on earth. Now, it's what God is doing on earth. They're not looking like watching a movie like, oh, that's a good one or something. And when they see God's judgment on earth, they praise him. Even the souls that are under the altar in Revelation 6 talk about, because they know they were martyrs, how long, O oh Lord, before. They remember their past they life. They remember their past life, yes. and they're asking God about when he's going to do something on the earth. So to say that people in heaven have no idea of what's happening on earth or they don't care about it is to ignore the fact that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are focused on earth. 
so are angels and demons. Angels and demons, yes. Because God's work is there. It's not because earth is more important than heaven. It's because God is doing something there. And it's the center of what he's doing. So if heaven's attention is on earth, our attention will also be on earth. And and again, to highlight what, what you were getting at, the troubling part, the reason why we often say to each other things like, you're not even going to think about what's going on down here, is because so much of our experience on earth is bound up with the heartache and the stress and the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think what people are trying to... Christians, what Christians are trying to express is they're not going to be saddled with the same anxieties and troubles and heartaches that we are down here. And mm-hmm. that's that's true. But it's not because you go to some other planet and there's this utter separation and you forget and you don't care. It's it, This has more to do with what you said a minute ago, Mike, about the change in perspective. Because the truth is, just like soul and body are supposed to be connected, they're supposed to be together the biblical picture of eternity which we haven't gotten to yet is heaven and earth back together yes there's a you almost wonder this is about as as concrete as i can say it is the death that happened when adam sinned we know you're like well he didn't die he kept living well he did die he was separate his death was that in one sense heaven removed itself from earth you could say and that what god is working to do is you reunite the two back together. So why is heaven so concerned with earth? Because the plan of God is to bring it all back together. And so what is the Lord doing? Again, he's not worried about sports or even necessarily, you know, it's not as though if I die, I'm going to follow every detail of my loved one's life and share their ups and downs. That's not the point. The point is, but, but also it's not, I forget it and I'm in another place. Sure. It's, I'm probably going to care about who's going to be saved and come to heaven way more than I do right now. When all the angels are rejoicing in heaven, I'm going to be aware of why that's happening. So I guess we could very easily say, Jesus did tell us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The two are connected. And is there's nowhere where they're not connected. The ending state is they're more connected than ever. So, you know, I, I think the what we can clearly say, and I think if you just simply read the Bible, you realize, yeah, whatever my existence is in this intermediate state before I receive my resurrected body, I'm with Jesus. I'm in a place that's better. I'm in comfort. I'm with other beings that I'm aware of. And I'm aware of the world I left but I'm aware of it in a new way and with a new perspective that's connected to God's and not my own kind of selfish version, which is hard for us to work out of here. If I'm thinking of a loved one that's passed on in Christ, I can think they're with Jesus and they're happy. (laughs) Yes. If I'm thinking of myself, I can think I'm still going to be myself in one sense. Uh, I'm not going to go to sleep for thousands mm-hmm. of years yes. or lose consciousness, but I will be with Jesus and I will be happy. And however things are different in my mind, and I'm thinking they'll be better and they'll be elevated uh, and um, it will be good. Yeah. So I guess that, you know, the last question again relates to, like, okay, what is our activity there what then? What are we going to be doing? What are we doing there? And I again, the Bible gives us a couple clues Jesus 
again, the Bible tells us is ever living to make intercession for the saints. So Jesus is doing something there. Uh, what does that mean for us? Can we join him in that work? Who knows? Jesus is tending the churches. Satan is in heaven accusing saints. Uh, we know there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. We see those scenes in heaven of people worshiping, of elders throwing their crowns down. So certainly things are happening in this heavenly scene. There's stuff going on. What our particular involvement is, we just, we don't know. So I think we could say God is active. Angels are active. Satan and demons are active. And human beings are there without their resurrected bodies. And then we would say when the church is raptured, some with their resurrected bodies. And they are active to some regard, but we don't have a whole lot of detail what that would look at. And so to circle all the way back to what you were saying at the beginning, it's it's not oversight. It, God didn't forget to tell us. Yes. It means literally we don't need to know. It must mean it wouldn't really help us. The things that we have are given to help us live a godly life on this earth. We've given everything we need for life and godliness. So here we are again. We've said this before on the podcast. What that means is we can study and pray over the things that are given to us, and we cannot sweat. If, if we're not told what we're yeah. doing, it's because I just don't need to know right now what I'm going to be doing. But I'm told enough to know I'm not going to hate it. Yes. I'm not going to be like, I am bored. I've been here for two days, and there's nothing going <laughs> on. How long do we have to do this? When yes. is the rapture happening? It's not going to be that way. Something else is going to be going on, and I can say, Lord, it's going to be far better. So Paul said, mm -hmm. far better. So, yeah, if you're listening, again, hopefully these things become practical at some point in our life. We begin to think about, oh, when I die, what happens? Or we have a loved one who does. Or we realize, oh, I don't immediately get resurrected. How does that work out in God's plan? It's healthy to work through these things. The intermediate state is a real state. It is a transitionary state. You don't stay there forever. It, so the Bible doesn't focus on it because it's not our ultimate hope. It gives us some details, and we should emphasize and hang on to the details that are most clear. Yep. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Far better gain existence, though we don't know all the details of the existence, in an active and conscious realm. It's pretty much what we got. That's what we know. <laughs> so... You know, God willing, we're all going to get there one day. And uh, if you're listening and we get there and we did something wrong, you can just come up and correct us. And so wait, this is for listen. another one. If you get raptured, do you skip the intermediate state? I think you do. There you go. So so we, our goal is to skip it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess we'd have to work on that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But so. wait, it's not you don't totally skip it because everybody doesn't the get earth Abraham doesn't yet. get this given, right. but we can. So, yeah, we'll have to work. Okay, on there's that. more we could talk about for another. Yeah, we'll episode. figure that out later. So, thank you for jumping in and listening to this. <laughs> we do hope that it was helpful in certain ways, even if it just gives some parameters. And always be willing to say we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. And when people begin to delve into those weird realms where you don't know anything, uh, you got to be careful. And if you just happen to stumble on this, 
<laughs> you might be like, what are they talking about? If you live in the Philadelphia area, come join us on a Wednesday night, 7.30, Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, ccphilly.org. And you can hear Mike teach through 2 Corinthians 5, which will be a lot less confusing maybe than what we just talked about because we'll be explaining the scriptures and we'd love to join you. And if you do come, come up front and say hi to us afterwards. Yes. All right. God bless. See you.